Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. We were asleep when all hell broke loose. Nature's deadliest organisms. Thought any second he was going to be gone. They can hijack our bodies. He was starting to look like a skeleton with skin on it. Disable our immune systems. In some cases, that causes death. I didn't think he will live more than a few months. And eat us from within. What is wrong with my daughter? For those infected, they are the monsters inside me. Part-time student Kira Eccles and her husband Mike have been happily married for a year when they buy a new home close to Kira's mom and dad in Springfield, Ohio. I've always had a very strong relationship with my parents and I wanted to be somewhere that was fairly close to them. Kira's mother, Chelly, couldn't be more pleased. It was a large enough home where both her and her husband could start a family and I was looking forward to being a grandmother. But a week after purchasing their dream home, Mike, who serves in the Air Force, is called up to boot camp. And their plans to start a family are put on hold. A month after Mike's departure, Kira is working at her part-time job. I was working at the home improvement store and I started to get a very throbbing headache. It felt like somebody had just beat me up. It lasted most of the day. I thought that I was getting a sinus infection. So I decided to get some medication after I got off work. Kira goes home and takes some aspirin. But eight hours later, the headache is worse than ever. Unable to cope with the pain, she calls the one person she knows will help. I was just feeling so terrible, so I called my mom to take me to the emergency room because I wasn't feeling good enough to drive. We went into the ER, and the doctors ran different kinds of tests. They tested her for the H1N1, which was going around at that time, and that test came back negative. 
and they said that basically she just had the flu, it needed to run its course. I felt like it was a reasonable diagnosis. At that point, I didn't think it was anything serious. They also told me to drink lots of fluids and get lots of rest. Doctors prescribe an over-the-counter flu medication, and Kira goes home to rest. It was impossible to sleep. I'd just lie there in the fetal position, just helpless. I never had felt like this before, and I, I thought for sure that this, this is not the flu. I called my mom and asked her if I could come stay with her. Kira gathers her things and spends the next few days at her parents' house being looked after by her mother, Chelly. She was lethargic. She was drained. She looked like she had just been beaten up. Three nights later, Chelly goes in to check up on her sleeping daughter. I took Kira's temperature, and it was at 104. And all of a sudden, her head tilted back, her eyes rolled back, and her tongue was out, and her head was twitching. And I knew at that point she was having a seizure. A couple seconds later, she came to from the seizure, and I was standing there holding her. And then she started to tell me about the people over in the corner. She says, Mommy, will you tell those people over in the corner to be quiet? Don't you hear them? They're too loud. My head hurts. Will you make them stop? And I said, Kira, I don't understand. There's nobody in this room but you and Mommy. Chelly rushes Kira to the ER. So they run a battery of tests. They drew blood to check for infectious diseases. They also wanted to do the spinal tap. When they told me they were going to do a spinal tap, I was just like, oh my goodness, a needle going into my back. I'm not cool with that at all. Within the hour, Kira's tests come back. And the doctor came in and told us that the spinal tap tested positive for meningitis. Meningitis is an inflammation of the tissues that cover the brain and spinal cord. The illness can be caused by bacteria, a virus, parasites, or even a fungus. In severe cases, it's life-threatening. I just thought, I was like, oh my goodness, I have meningitis. I remember them admitting me and taking me to a room, and that's when just everything was blurry from there. Doctors admit Kira and put her on a course of intravenous antibiotics. In my gut, I just knew that there was something else wrong with Kira. It had to go beyond the meningitis. But I thought, okay, I need to give it a few days. We need to be on the antibiotics. We need to see how things progress. Despite the antibiotic treatment, Kira's health continues to deteriorate. Four days later, Kira is lying in bed when her mother comes to visit her. My parents had given me a photograph of my husband, Mike, and I was holding it and looking at it. His eyes started glowing red, like bright red, and just this evil, demonic look. And his mouth in the picture started moving and telling me to shut up and that I was a terrible person. Next thing I know, she throws this picture across the room and smashes it. And I'm like, Kira, what are you doing? She's like, Mommy, I don't want that picture anymore. That picture looks evil. But when I tried to ask Kira what she meant, she just shut down at that point. So I just let it be there. I felt like I had lost my daughter. I didn't know where she was at. And am I going to ever have my Kira back? Right away, Kira's mom calls for a doctor. 
he felt that she was under a lot of stress with the fact that her husband being gone. So he suggested some breathing exercises, some relaxation techniques, and he also prescribed a sleeping pill. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I'm not sure that this doctor really knows what he's talking about. The doctor believes that Kira's condition is not physiological, but psychological. He takes Kira off the antibiotics and prescribes an anti-anxiety drug instead. He also discharges her from the hospital, and Chelly takes Kira home for the night. But that night, Chelly observes a strange new aspect to her daughter's behavior. She was asleep a little over an hour when all hell broke loose. She started screaming. That scream. I'll never forget that scream. It was such an ear-piercing, heart-wrenching scream that went straight through my body. And I'm thinking, what is wrong with my daughter? I'm like, Kira, what is going on? What is wrong? She goes, I'm having a baby. I'm going, Kira, you're not having a baby. You're not pregnant. And she'd say, oh my God, here comes another one. And she'd start screaming again. Next thing I know, she's holding her arms and she goes, look, mommy, here's your grandson. Beside herself with worry, Chelly takes Kira back to the hospital for more tests. All of those test results came back. Everything came back normal. But there was nothing normal about what was going on with Kira. And the doctor said there's no medical reason for her to be the way that she is. And his diagnosis is that she's got schizophrenia. Schizophrenia is a mental illness that can lead its victims to experience delusions, hallucinations, and even commit suicide. But the diagnosis doesn't sit well with Chelly. I was enraged when he gave us that diagnosis. My husband and I both at the same time were like, what are you talking about? She was a National Honor Society, maintaining a part-time job, managing a house, and you're going to tell me that my daughter's flipped on a dime? We demanded that she be moved. Chelly takes Kira to another hospital 75 miles away in Cincinnati. There, she is seen by Dr. Chris Kobe. She was clearly awake and agitated, but she could not answer any very simple questions like who she was or what she was doing in the hospital. So something very unusual was going on, and I got my video camera and started filming her. I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Trying to capture some of these facial movements that she was displaying. Eager to find out more, Dr. Kobe looks through Kira's previous Spinal Tap results. He notices something that the previous set of doctors seemed to have misinterpreted. For more specific tests to be run on the spinal fluid, it had to be sent to a special laboratory. But it will take three weeks for the results to come back. So in the meantime, I'm sitting in her room day after day, watching her go through fits and rages and trying to find ways that would soothe her and calm her. But it was very, very frustrating to sit there and watch her scream, try to get out of the bed, pull IVs out of her arm, said she didn't want them in there because the demon blood was going into her. And she'd yell at me and tell me, Mommy, if you love me, you'll take these out of me because it's killing me. 
For weeks, Chelly watches on in horror as her daughter Kira suffers inexplicable fits of delusion in the ICU. Another vet, another vet, another vet. It was very, very frustrating to sit there and watch her scream. Dr. Chris Cobay runs special tests on Kira's spinal fluid. Three weeks later, he receives an unusual result. The type of antibodies that were found in the spinal fluid confirmed that this was not a psychiatric case. These results prompt Dr. Kobe to review Kira's MRIs. She had an MRI of her pelvis, which showed abnormalities. With fresh eyes, Dr. Kobe finds the source of Kira's disturbing behavior. Kira had a teratoma on her ovaries. A teratoma is a kind of tumor that is composed of cells from other organs. Because of this, a teratoma can grow hair, teeth, or even eyes. When they were first discovered, these strange tumors resembled malformed fetuses. And that's why they were named teratomas, which comes from the Greek word for monster. In Kira's case, her ovarian teratoma consists of brain cells. I'm on, I'm on, I'm on. This triggered an autoimmune response to cause her body's immune system to attack her own brain. Kira's immune system sends out white blood cells to attack the teratoma that is growing in her ovaries. And because her teratoma consists of brain cells, Kira's immune system also attacks her brain, leading to her bizarre hallucinations and unusual behavior. But removing the teratoma may have other consequences. To save Kira's life, they must remove all or part of her ovaries. They were going to take her chance away to become a mom, which was the most important thing to her. And I was going to have to sign those papers. I was going to have to take that away from her. My heart sunk to my stomach. I didn't know what to say to him. And when he left, I fell apart. Dr. Edward Richards of University Hospital in Cincinnati performs the surgery. If Dr. Richards does not remove 100% of the ovarian teratoma, it will continue to prompt Kira's immune system to attack her brain. She ultimately would have died from her condition. In the operating room, Dr. Richards identifies the teratoma on her left ovary and carefully begins to cut it out. One false move could jeopardize Kira's chances for having children, but failure to extract the entire teratoma could cost Kira her life. There was a lot of family and friends out in the waiting room. Her husband, Mike, my husband, and myself were there. It was supposed to have only been a 20-minute surgery. That second hour passed, and it got very long. We all just had conversation, trying to keep our wits about us. I said, we have to get Kira back. The most important thing is that we have to get Kira back. There's other ways she can become a mom. It takes Dr. Richards three hours to cut out the insidious teratoma. Removed it from her body, and then I looked at it on the back of the table. I knew that we had the culprit. Had I not removed the teratoma, she wouldn't have recovered. When it was all over, Dr. Richards came in and he told us that he was able to save 20% between the two ovaries. And he looked at me and he said, that is enough for her to become a mom. Two days later, Kira leaves the hospital and returns to her normal life. Although she remembers almost nothing from her ordeal, the experience has changed her life forever. I don't take anything for granted anymore. For myself and Mike, I just 
want us to have a long, happy marriage and to be able to have healthy children and that's something that we're in the process of working on. Ethan started to lose consciousness. I just didn't know if he had anything left in him at that point. Javen and Rebecca Conley are a happily married couple living in the small town of Inglewood, Ohio. Javen works as a project manager at a local university, while Rebecca stays home to care for their three children, Mason, Karina, and Ethan. The Conley kids are all standout students, but eight-year-old Ethan has only one thing on his mind. He loved to play basketball, football, run around the house. He just is a little boy that can't hold still. Ethan's dream was to become a professional football player. It was always a pleasure to watch and coach and be alongside of him in football and in basketball. Every time that he would excel or score a touchdown, as a father, you, there's just no words to describe what kind of feeling that brings out in you. One winter night, the Conleys come home from a family outing. It was a Friday night, and we went to the basketball game, and we came home, and we're just chilling out around 10 o'clock at night. Ethan was shooting baskets at the mini hoop, having a good time. After 30 minutes of dunks, Ethan calls for his mother. He started complaining that his stomach hurt. He said, I think I'm going to be sick. So I said, okay, let's go into the bathroom. And that's when he threw up for the first time. This vomiting wasn't stopping. He began to vomit more profusely every 30 minutes or so. It continued into the morning hours. That was the sickest I've ever seen Ethan. We were just trying to rack our brains, trying to figure out what was going on. He had eaten some cheeseburger, hot dog, and some peanuts at the game. We thought that he just had food poisoning. It may have been around 4 a.m. that he finally stopped throwing up and was able to fall asleep. So at that point, I was feeling pretty confident that whatever it was had passed and that this was going to be over. But over the weekend, Ethan's vomiting doesn't let up. It started to concern me some because he usually bounces right back up after he's been sick. On Monday, Rebecca keeps Ethan home from school. It was early afternoon, and Ethan was on the couch with his pillow and blanket. I told Ethan, I think you need to get up, buddy, and start walking around. You know, you got to go to school tomorrow. So I grabbed his arm and tried to help him walk around. He said to me, Mom, I can't walk. He described it as that his, his legs were on fire. It felt like he had needles trying to shoot out from the inside out of his legs. It's almost like something inside of his legs trying to get out. Every little movement and touch was hurting so much that he was constantly crying. I was panicking at this point. Javen rushes his ailing son to the emergency room, where the ER doctors conduct a thorough examination. She told us that the cramping that he was having in his legs could be a result of dehydration. Part of me was skeptical, but at the same time, just praying and hoping that they were right, that that's all it was. The doctor gives Ethan IV fluids to help him rehydrate, but they have no effect. The pain at that point, it seemed like it was increasing exponentially by the minute. 
it became apparent that it wasn't just dehydration. It was something else more serious going on. At a loss to explain the symptoms, the medical team takes blood samples and starts Ethan on a morphine drip. The first dose that he was given got him through two hours, but by that two-hour point, he was ready for another dose. It ripped my heart out, literally, because I realized that he's in so much pain that he can't bear it. For the rest of the night, Javen looks on helplessly as his ailing son lies in a hospital bed. He would ask me, Dad, what's going on? You know, all those kinds of questions, questions that were really disheartening as a father, not knowing what the answer was. The following morning, Ethan's mother, Rebecca, arrives at the hospital. I saw Ethan on this big hospital bed, hooked up to machines. I was completely scared to death. And as Ethan's condition worsens, the Connolly's fears continue to grow. His legs began to swell. His knees were the size of my fists. His thighs were twice the size they would normally be. It was scary, quite frankly, to watch his legs blow up like balloons right in front of your eyes. They were so swollen at this point that the doctors were unable to find a pulse. You could tell that they were getting panicky, too. I said, what's that mean? Is he going to lose his legs? The exact words that the doctor gave me was, you don't want to know. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. 
Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Javen and Rebecca Conley are sitting by the bedside of their sick son, Ethan. I said, is he going to lose his legs? The exact words that the doctor gave me was, you don't want to know. At the pediatric intensive care unit, Dr. Vipul Patel notices something peculiar about the boy's blood work. He was in a dire emergency situation. We found very unusual uh, levels of CPK. Creatine phosphokinase, or CPK, is an enzyme that gets released into the bloodstream when muscle tissue is damaged. Ethan's CPK level is almost 100,000 times higher than what is considered normal. High CPK levels often mean that the body's muscle tissue is breaking down rapidly. When doctors see elevated levels of CPK in conjunction with extreme muscle pain, it usually leads to one specific diagnosis. We exactly knew what he had. Viral myositis with rhabdomyolysis. Inside Ethan's body, the virus is attacking his healthy muscle cells. The virus then hijacks the cell's genetic machinery to make copies of itself. In response, Ethan's immune system attacks the infected muscle cells. The resulting inflammation causes his muscles to swell and break down. I was very concerned with the swelling of Ethan's leg. If the swelling continues to rise, the leg would be amputated. But amputation isn't all the eight-year-old may face. As the muscle tissue is broken down, proteins are released into the bloodstream that are toxic to the kidneys. In large quantities, those proteins can clog the filtering tubes of the kidneys and shut them down. In some cases, that causes death. If it was a kidney transplant, if it was losing his legs, we would get through that. But the thought of losing my son was, um, it was just too much too much to have to bear. As the Connellys come to grips with Ethan's diagnosis, they must also face another grim aspect of the condition. There is no cure or any specific treatment for this disease. It was ultimately up to Ethan's body to defeat this virus. At that time, my worst fear was that Ethan may not make it. Finding that out was difficult, knowing that there was no medicine and there's nothing they could do to, to reverse it and that it was all up to him. It was uh, pretty hard. I just didn't know if he had anything left in him at that point. As his muscle tissue breaks down, the medical team pumps Ethan's body full of fluids to flush the toxins out of his system. But after several hours, Ethan's body shows no improvement. Ethan started to uh, lose consciousness. His eyes started to roll back in his head. I thought, this is over. It's, it's, it's happening. My worst fear is coming to, coming to life. Ethan's kidneys were completely shut down. For Ethan, it was a matter of life and death. As a last resort, Dr. Patel puts Ethan on a life support machine. It's a horrifying thought to think that you do everything every day to protect your child. And then just like that, they could be taken from you, and there's nothing you can do. The next day, blood tests reveal that Ethan is losing the fight. 
The levels of an enzyme called CPK indicate that his muscles are breaking down at an unprecedented rate. Ethan's CPK level reached a level of more than 680,000 units per liter. It was the highest CPK level ever recorded in the U.S. at that time. It was a miracle that Ethan was still alive. And I'm thinking to myself, this is impossible. How high can this go and him hold on? That was without a doubt the scariest moment of my life. I thought any second he was going to be gone. Ethan Conley is in the ICU battling a rare and incurable condition, viral myositis with rhabdomyolysis. As he fights for his life, Ethan's parents, Javen and Rebecca Conley, are left to wonder how he contracted this life-threatening virus. The virus behind this condition is the same virus that causes the flu. This virus normally attacks the cells of the respiratory system, especially the lungs. But in some cases, the virus attacks muscle tissue, and when it does, it can wreak havoc on the body. Why the flu virus attacks the muscle tissue is not known. Was someone carrying this virus that transferred it to him through a sneeze, through a cough, through a shared cup? I mean, it, your mind just goes crazy thinking about all of the scenarios and possibilities. The eight-year-old lies unconscious in the ICU while the flu virus ravages his fragile body. But after three days on life support, doctors notice that Ethan's levels of the enzyme CPK have dropped dramatically, indicating that his condition is improving. That gave us a relief. He was fighting the disease, and his inflammation was reducing. Doctors came in and told us that Ethan's CPK level had dropped nearly 400,000. We were so excited. It was just unbelievable. At that point, they were able to take Ethan off the ventilator, and we were thrilled. I can remember the first thing that he said to us. I said, I love you. I was just exploded with joy because I haven't got to see him in about three days. That was one of the best days of our lives. A week later, Ethan's kidneys kick back into gear, and his muscle inflammation gradually subsides. Finally, after 33 days in the hospital, Ethan goes home. And just two weeks later, he returns to the basketball court. My team was in the playoffs and I really wanted to play. There was like two defenders on me, I shot it and I made it. The kids were so happy for him, I was going crazy. <laughs> Knowing that a month ago, we didn't think that he'd ever be doing this again and here he was playing basketball. It was just an awesome moment. He survived something that, medically speaking, he shouldn't have. Ethan is my hero. I thought that I was just gonna wither away to nothing. It was scary. I was watching him die right before my eyes. Self-employed plumber Bill Wilson lives in Palmdale, California, with his wife Michelle, who is an office worker. They have been happily married for 18 years and have three grown-up children and four grandkids. My bill is a strong bill. 
the guy who's like there for everybody in our family. Bill likes to work hard and play hard. In my youth, I used to do a lot of motorcycle racing, but due to uh, multiple accidents and injuries, I stopped riding. But when the economy tanks, Bill has to take a plumbing contract working the night shift. They needed me out in the field, hydrojetting sewer lines for a restaurant chain. This is a pretty demanding job holding onto a hose that's producing high pressure water. And it's a constant moving of your body between six and eight hours every day. Six weeks in, Bill's new job begins to take a toll on his body. I could barely even hold onto the hose. I just had no energy and no concentration, and I just felt nauseous, and all I wanted to do was throw up. I went straight to the bathroom, went in, and just threw up. After struggling through the rest of the week, Bill finishes up a shift and heads home. By the time I pulled into the driveway, it was all I could do to just open the door, go into the house, and crawl into bed. The pain in my stomach was so much that I never got a chance to actually sleep. As he lies in bed, Bill wonders what might be wrong. I thought I had the flu because I was very weak and I had no energy. But I'm not the type of person to just go into the medicine cabinet and say, oh, I'll try this. So I didn't take anything, no aspirin, no nothing. As days go on, it just kept getting progressively worse, and I would just keep working. I couldn't afford to take any time off because I wouldn't be paid for it, and we really needed the money. I would wait till I got to work, and then I would throw up at work. I wouldn't do it at home because I didn't want my wife, Michelle, to see it. A week later, Michelle picks up on something odd. This one morning, Bill came home from work, and um, I woke up when he came in. He didn't come into the bedroom. He went straight into the bathroom. And then I heard him starting to throw up in the bathroom. So she comes to the door, pounds on the door, wants to know what's wrong. I tried to ask him, are you sick? And he's like, no, no, I think I just ate something that was bad, you know, and I'll be fine. Just go back to bed. But Michelle won't let the matter rest. I was angry. I was angry at his job. I was angry at him for letting them take advantage of him. So he did not want to talk to me. He stormed out of the bathroom. I had to get ready for work and leave. That was pretty much the end of the conversation. For the rest of the week, the couple barely see each other until the weekend when they prepare for their grocery shopping. I proceeded to walk around the kitchen looking for things that we needed and telling him as he wrote them down. It's then that Michelle notices something certain things that he had written down were misspelled, like common everyday things like carrots, juice. I've been married to Bill for almost 20 years, and um, he may not be a genius, but I know that he knows how to spell carrots or juice. This was the turning point where I said to him, you're not going to work tomorrow. This is serious. We need to find out what's going on. You are going to the doctors. The next morning, Michelle drives Bill to a nearby hospital. A doctor examines Bill and notices something odd. He asked me to stand on a scale and discovers that I lost a, a considerable amount of weight. My normal body weight was between 170 and 175 pounds. I was 145 pounds, and I was concerned at that point. The doctor takes blood samples and orders an x-ray of Bill's belly. 
The results reveal something unusual on the left side of his stomach. His lymph nodes were enlarged. Lymph nodes are part of the immune system. They line most organs of the human body, including the stomach. They swell when the body is trying to fight off an infection. They were concerned when they saw the lymph nodes. That was like their first alarm, basically. Two days later, Bill's doctors arrive at a tentative diagnosis. The doctor informed me that it looked like I had stomach cancer. In California, doctors have told Bill Wilson that he may have stomach cancer. I was in complete shock. Made my way out across the parking lot and got in my truck. I just sat there, holding my phone in my hand. Opened up my phone book and I scrolled down to my wife's name and was just sitting there trying to figure out how can I tell it to her in such a way that she's not going to freak out on me. After about five minutes or so, I hit the green button to call her at work. He said to me, are you sitting down? And I said, yes, I'm sitting down. Just tell me what the doctor said. And he started to cry, actually. And what he said to me was, I'm too young to die. And I had never heard him cry like that before. I started crying. And he said the doctor told him he had stomach cancer. Over the next few days, the once strong Bill becomes weaker and weaker. Now it's Michelle who must become the strong one in the family. Bill was not able to go to these appointments on his own. So I had to take him to the appointments. I obviously couldn't go to my job. I had to call in and explain to them what was going on. After a few days, Michelle pays a price for helping her husband. My job decided that they needed someone at the desk, so they let me go. It was horrific. Without jobs, income, or health insurance, the couple must dip into their savings to pay for the treatment. As the days go by, Bill's illness eats away at their lives and his body. We figured it was somewhere between two and a two and a half pounds a day I was losing. He had pretty much stopped throwing up, but then again, he had pretty much stopped eating. He was starting to look like a skeleton with skin on it. I felt like I was watching him die right before my eyes at that point. We decided to see a different doctor and get a second opinion. The next day, Michelle drives Bill to an urgent care center where he is seen by Dr. Hofsep Medesian. He was very emotional, him and his wife. They got that diagnosis of cancer. They were really very, very depressed. Whatever was going on with Bill, ultimately would kill him, and we had to find out what was going on. Dr. Medesian takes blood, stool, and urine samples for testing. At that point, Bill had given up. He did not care if he lived or died. At the clinic, the lab reports take everyone by surprise. All of the test results were negative, except for his stool sample. When I saw the result, I was amazed. I told Bill he had a very contagious parasite called Blastocystis hominis. Blastocystis hominis is the most common human parasite in the United States. It lives in the human intestine. And the body reacts to those invaders by inducing vomiting and diarrhea. But the parasites are tenacious, and they continue to reproduce. 
In severe cases, complications from a blastocystis hominis infection can be fatal. Bill's prognosis is dire. He was losing weight very fast, and that will take the necessary nutrients out of his body, and that will lead him ultimately to death. I didn't think he will live more than a few months. It was scary. I didn't know how long his body could keep up with him losing so much weight. I just kept wondering, at what point do your organs start shutting down? To save Bill's life, Dr. Hovsett Modessian gives him a three-week course of an antiparasitic drug called metronidazole. At this point, I believe I was about 128 pounds from 170, 175 pounds. So I was willing to try anything that the doctor suggested to me, but I had a strong fear that I wasn't going to make it. But how did Bill catch this parasite in the first place? Blastocystis can live in the gastrointestinal tracts of multiple different species, and it's believed that there can be cross-infections between humans, farm animals, even dogs. Humans become infected when they ingest water or food that's tainted with contaminated feces. In Bill's work as a plumber, there are many ways for the blastoparasite to infect a new host. You constantly get a blast of raw sewage water hitting your body. It was unavoidable. So chances of ingesting raw sewage are very good. Most people are capable of fighting off the parasite, but Bill is different. 20 years ago, he was seriously injured in a motorcycle accident and had his spleen removed. Without the spleen, the body's more prone to infections, and that means that the parasite can even more effectively overtake the intestines. I thought that I was just going to wither away to nothing, and I'll just stop breathing. Bill begins a three-week course of the medication. Once inside his bloodstream, the drug enters the cells of the parasite, where it creates a compound that destroys the parasite's molecular structure. Once Bill started taking the medicine, it was like night and day. He immediately started to gain weight again. He got his appetite back. He started to become more Bill than what we had seen in the past. Ten days later, Bill regains his former strength. But the blastoparasites have left their mark, forcing Bill to make some tough career choices. After a long career in the plumbing industry, it was really hard for me to walk away from the business. Bill has found a new job working in building management, much to Michelle's delight. I feel that this has made us a lot closer. When you think for even a moment that you're dying and then you find out that you're not, it makes you look at everything differently. Blastocystis has been around for millions of years and it infects up to 11% of the American population. However, the parasitic infection typically doesn't present symptoms at all because the immune system is usually able to keep it at bay. To avoid contracting the blastocystis parasite, people shouldn't eat in unsanitary conditions and they should drink only treated water. And as always, practicing good hygiene helps reduce the risk of infection. For more blood-curdling monsters and their hideous habits, visit our website, animalplanet.com slash monstersinsideme.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.